Hey there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB and a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, when's that um, pay cut or our esteemed leaders were going to uh, take? When, when does that cut in? Um, both Todd Muller and David Parker stumble. Uh, we've got some tree felling hosties to get sexist about. Uh, but before any of that, uh, the, oh, the statue thing. Uh, why, why doesn't people like the Prime Minister have an opinion about this stuff? Scott Morrison, Winston Peters. You know what? They deserve a little bit of recognition for being two of what turns out to be very, very few leaders who seem to want to see the current mayhem, carnage and just plain insanity sweeping the world for what it is. Now, Morrison told everyone to get a grip. That's what he said. Get a grip. When he was asked about pulling down a James Cook statue, Peters called it idiocy when presented with the rubbish we're dealing with here. I watched over the weekend as those so-called leaders of Hamilton ordered the trucks in to take one of their statues off to safety ahead of a protest and a threat to attack it. Is that what we've come to, is it? You can dial in a threat now, can you? Instead of treating it the way it should be, you panic. You spend ratepayers' money acquiescing to violence and criminality. The bloke who made the threat, instead of being at the very least cautioned by the police if not arrested, is then interviewed for the television news. These are sad, negative and deranged times. The issue here is not the crazies. We've always had the crazies. The issue is the non-existent leadership. Why isn't everyone acting like Morrison and Peters? Did you hear Adurn on the show yesterday? She couldn't run for the hills fast enough. Well, heaven forbid she have an opinion. Why isn't everyone in any sort of significant leadership role calling these clowns out, stopping the madness, preventing the carnage and the damage and the violence? In places like Minneapolis, where at least part of what we're currently seeing started, businesses are now leaving town, which, I mean, while they watch the protests and the fights and the statues being torn asunder, while they argue about defunding the police, businesses are fed up. They're just moving out of town and with them the jobs. It isn't that bad here, thank God, but lest we forget, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we have an economy on its knees, we have social upheaval in terms of lost jobs, poverty, demand on social services, the likes of which we have not seen in decades, if not ever, and yet we have time to battle and rage about statues, run protests, and become besotted with matters that can wait for another day, and a time where perhaps more brain power and less vigilantism can be engaged. At a time where leadership has never been more vital. Where the hell are the leaders? It's weird. If there's one person I want to have their say on everything, it's the Prime Minister. Uh... I think the Prime Minister is in charge of pretty much everything, whether they want to be or not. They don't get to delegate all responsibility. They need to have an opinion about things, um, even statues. Otherwise, we're just left with talkback hosts having their opinions instead. Um, is it because uh, we've cut our pay? We have cut our pay, right? Would it surprise you to know that the much lauded, vaunted, trumpeted, highly covered and headline-grabbing announcement from the government back in April, April 15 to be precise, that they were all taking pay cuts so that they could share the pain with us, designed to show leadership, haven't actually happened yet. Very good story in the Herald this morning. I thought I'd read somewhere it had gone through and it was a done deal. Mid-April, ministers would surrender parts of their salaries to show solidarity with us. They were asked to make sacrifice and help the community. That's us. And so they were going to join us, designed to show leadership, but the pay cuts are not kicking in until July 9. They're taking us for fools. Uh, to be fair to them, the Remuneration Authority, which is led by Fran Wilde, another ex-Labour Party MP, of course, she says it's a difficult business. I don't see how it's a difficult business. 
given that hundreds of thousands of other New Zealanders have already had their pay cut and have had it cut for weeks. Wasn't difficult for us, is difficult for them. They are literally playing us for fools. The thing that confuses me about that the most is old Ashley Bloomfield. Um, What's he in charge of now? That he's getting his pay cut from. Hasn't he finished beating COVID? Because he's beat COVID. Is he retroactively going to have his pay cut? I'm confused. Uh, Also confused why um, Todd Muller hasn't exactly come out firing on all cylinders. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a sinking feeling over Todd Muller? The MAGA hat. It was a non-story. He refused to make a non-story by keeping on answering dumb questions about it until he stuck it in a box thus indicating that if you ask enough dumb questions, he'll turn it into something. Then the possum in the headlights reaction to the ethnicity question over the new front bench, which was only partly his fault, but because he didn't sound like he owned it, Nikki Kay, who I also have a sinking feeling about, decided making Paul Goldsmith Maori was a good idea, and then doubled down when Paul Goldsmith decided to make knitting a headline, grabbing uh, a headline-grabbing story by suggesting they weren't the best choice of words, when in fact there was nothing wrong with the words. Or the idea or the concept. It all lacked a self-confidence, I thought. It all looked like you could say anything. And they'd wet themselves in fear over what you meant or what you thought you meant or what they might have meant or what it could mean. Oh, for the good old days, eh, when John Key just laughed most of it off. Was light of foot having the time of his life and treating idiots with the lack of respect they deserved. Of course, the trouble with trouble is if you get off on the wrong foot, you're shaken. And if you're shaky to start, making a hash of it doesn't help. And so it's hardly a surprise when Muller, who's also been charged with being largely absent of late when it comes to holding the government to account, reappeared on Sunday for his big speech. David Seymour, it must be said at this point, deserves real plaudits for his role as opposition leader. He says more, makes more cogent points, hold the government to better account currently, and does it with far less resource than the National Party. Not that a lot of wider New Zealand will have noticed. It's still very early days, and in that is the hope for Muller. Most people won't be switched on or in to the election and its detail until the end of July, maybe even August. Anyway, poor old Todd turns up in front of an upside-down flag in Tapuna, tells everybody how he wanted to join the Labour Party before asking whether he should start again. Oh, (laughs) if I knew it were that simple. It's the game of confidence, and he clearly doesn't have any. My great fear is the great fear I have with all non-naturals, and that is when tough times strike, too many people get in your ear and spook you further. Authenticity is what gels with people. And the more you manufactured, the more you trip yourself up. Mullersome or shambolic start can can be fixed. It can always be fixed because by August, no one will remember any of this stuff if he's got his act together by then. But the key is this. Does he have an act to get together? If he doesn't, if he's a busted flush, no amount of gerrymandered papering over the cracks is going to fix it. The race is done. But he has to be more present. He has to get more aggressive and he has to stop being frightened of questions and short on answers. At best, you know, as we sit here this morning, I reckon it's a four out of ten start. See, now, so Mike just gave him a four out of ten and you remember Mark Mitchell last week gave him a seven out of ten. And I still feel like that a seven out of ten from a member of your own party is way worse than a four out of ten from somebody who's reasonably objective. I don't know, there's something about a seven that is just so not an eight or a nine. Uh, Mind you, on the other side of the benches, uh, uh, David Parker wasn't exactly a strong performer this this morning either. Did you pick up the stumble of indecision with Mr Parker? The road provides the economy with future efficiencies and income. Does a sky path or a cycleway?
Um, well, uh, well, in some ways, yes. <laughs> Upward inflection. In some ways, yes. One more time. The road provides the economy with future efficiencies and income. Does a sky path or a cycleway? Um, well, uh, well, in some ways, yes. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone off to cancel that cycleway. He suddenly worked out, that's a dumb idea. I don't want anything to do with that. Apart from anything else, uh, they, they put one on the Golden Gate Bridge in uh, um, San Francisco and it made a weird noise. It freaked everybody out. We don't want that. We, we, I don't think we should build things that make weird noises that freak everybody out, do we? Um, now, it's time to be accidentally sexist, but only because I couldn't think of the right words. Uh, the shovel really, very good point, or a reasonably good point from the text. The shovel-ready projects seem, seem to show again the government's incompetence in doing anything. Few green projects that will produce a few benefits economically focus on one job stream and provide a piddling number of jobs doesn't even get a number of the numbers laid off by one firm. Now, Bill, you make a reasonable point. You're right. I think it's a it's a little singular. Uh, we're all heading in the one direction, which is infrastructure, but we do need... What, what Where it works is we do need infrastructure. No one's arguing about that, and it's a good time to borrow and spend in that sense. So that part of it's good. But if you were listening to the Prime Minister yesterday, she fell for the trap because I asked her about what, what are the growth policies that she's got currently, and she got super excited and said, are you kidding me? Where do I start? And she fell right into it. And they don't think outside their own world. So the example she gave was a few people cutting down some wilding pines, which is fine for now, but it's a three-minute job. And once you've done it, there is no future. It's not a growth industry. It's going nowhere, funded by the state to solve the state's problem. It's not a proper job. It doesn't grow a business. It's not entrepreneurial. And because they don't think like that, that's why you're seeing just this endless welfareism which just involves, and there's nothing wrong with building a bridge, but even David Parker, when I presented him with the cold hard facts of a cycleway this morning, he knows full well, because he's a bright guy, that there's no great economic value to a sky path or a cycleway. He knows that deep down. Building a road, building a state highway, absolutely. Get some, get some multi-lane state highways, get the trucks on the highways, go for gold, build as many of those as you want, because they pay back the economy. But a few people who were once air hostesses cutting down a few pine trees on, you know, for three days on a hillside doesn't solve your long-term problem. So your, your point is partially right. Now, it's, a, it's a great mental image, though. What? Air hostesses cutting well, down. I mean, you're not, they're not air hostesses anymore. Can I just I want well, to make that, that quite they're clear? They're wilding pine cutters. Y- yes. No, but I mean, even before that, they were, they were air what, do you, what like, were they? They're not hostesses, is what I'm saying. Are you going to get yourself in stewards. trouble? Stewards. Oh, yeah, stewards. Oh, of course they were. Yeah, no, sorry. Wrong time. Someone will get angry about that. This is not mad men. No, that's right. Someone's going to get angry But I just had that. pictures of somebody in a reasonably short dress and high heels. In like a Pan Am. In cutting a Pan down Am trees. Or an that, NAC. That amused, that amused me, and it was probably sexist, and I'm sorry I said anything. Somebody's going to deface something because of that. I can tell they're going straight to the BSA over this. Can I please just make it absolutely clear that, um, that uh, a male flight crew attendant, um, cabin attendant, and, and, and his outfit would also look equally ridiculous uh, chopping down trees as well. And I know that neither of those people would be wearing those outfits while doing that. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't be any good at chopping down trees, but I just started giggling when I pictured it in my head. Keep it to yourself, Ben ZB. Why do you get yourself into so much trouble this way? I am Ben ZB. That was Hosking That Was. I'll probably end up doing something similar again tomorrow. I just can't help myself.